started forming at 7 a.m. Breaking attendance records all over the country. The big city theaters across the country, the moviegoers wait for six and hours the prestige or more. they have to say seeing Star Wars is something that kids are royal. unlike anything on your planet. They are waiting to escape. <laughs> Tells an outer space war story. Unlike Jaws, it doesn't frighten people. Just an old-fashioned cowboy movie set in space. Strange monsters, robots, and special effects. A boy, a girl. A cosmic comic book movie. Guys versus the bad guy. One experienced and a little cynical. You're no match for a good blaster at your side. The other, a tenderfoot, a kid. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. The bad guys always are a rough, tough, sinister-looking bunch. The damsel in distress. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. The big, sprawling space saga of rebellion and romance. There are no sex scenes in Star Wars. Then when I opened it and found it was science fiction, I thought, oh, I think it was good. Very fantastic. R2-D2 and C-3PO somehow remind me of Laurel and Hardy. Just a big, dumb flick. And what's the meaning of it all? Who knows and who cares? Star Wars became the new box office champion by providing pure 100% escapist entertainment. Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about is it's so successful and so mindless fun that I hope Hollywood doesn't forget that there are people who like to see serious pictures, too. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. It's old-fashioned escapist entertainment. Reminiscent of the Saturday serials of the 1930s. Never had a fantastic years in the making. Welcome to another episode of Quantum Recast. I'm your host, Corey, and with me as always is Nick and Tanner. Yeah, baby. Hey. And producer Jesse is back with us because he didn't make plans this week. To be fair, I actually did make plans again, and then <laughs> I canceled them. <laughs> wow, Jesse. Just yep. rub it in, Jesse. I've got friends. Like- did you have to tell them like, oh, hey, I forgot. I produce a podcast on Thursdays. I got to stop making plans on Thursdays. So. Dude, I like my brain doesn't work in like any way. Yeah, so. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Man. All right. Wow. OK, well, if this is your first time with us, let's do a little house cleaning, which is uh, first of all, we're on the social media machines. Um, we're there, um, yeah, whichever one you prefer. You, we're even on Twitter. Even if Elon Musk buys it, we should still be on Twitter. I don't think we have yeah, any we'll bad blood there. with Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, I think he's cool I mean, with us. just personal. Yeah. <laughs> Tanner has Tanner has some issues with Elon Musk. So, um, yeah. But that's fine. That's fine. Um, and so, uh, but we're there. Uh, most we're all active on Instagram. So if you need to like find one of us in particular, that's where you should start. Um, 
And then uh, other thing is, if you're listening to us, that means you're on some sort of um, audio streaming. There's a like button or a subscribe button or a review button. Hit one of those because um, that just or helps us find more people. Um, yeah, that's how that's how social media works. There's a there's math involved, and part of that math is hitting a heart or a like or some stars, and then writing, "Hey, this wasn't that bad." Um, and so, yeah, remember when math involved hearts and stars? I miss that. <laughs> Dude, it was, yeah, that was the worst math. Gold <laughs> star. <laughs> well, and then also, if this is your first time, let me tell you what we do here. We um, we kidnap movies out of their release years. Um, so if you clicked on this, uh, it said Star Wars 2017, which does not mean Force Awakens. We're taking Star Wars A New Hope out of 1977, and we're dropping it in 2017. And we're going to give it a new 2017-ish cast. We're going to attempt yeah. to. We're going we're gonna to attempt to keep Star Wars A New Hope good, um, but maybe not. Who knows? Uh, there's a lot of implications here because we're not pulling the whole trilogy like we did no. with Lord of the Rings. We're no, pulling right. a single movie and dropping mm-hmm. in 2017, which essentially erases Star Wars um, until <gasps> 2017. So, Like sane people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll dive probably deeper into that once we get into uh, dissecting Star Wars A New Hope a little bit. But before we do that, we need to talk about what we watched this week, our nits and picks, what we loved or what we hated. Tanner, let's hear it. I'm so divided because I've got a a pick that I'm fucking furious about and I've got... Or I'm sorry, I've got a nit that I'm fucking furious about. It's like you're watching a, movies wrong, man. And a pick <laughs> that I was so excited about. But I've done a lot of picks recently, so I'm going to get a fucking nit up in this bitch. And I'm going to... Mm-hmm. How the fuck did Power of the Dog even get a fucking nomination? I'm so goddamn upset about this movie. Have, have any of you guys seen it? Not yet, no. I read the book. I, I'm sure the book was great. I'm sure the book was awesome. The movie, I was an hour and a half into the movie going, I still don't know what the fuck we're doing. And then mm. the last 30 minutes of the movie, you're like, oh, I, okay. I can kind of see what we're doing now. So but would you say the like, movie was dog shit? It was dog shit. It was like, <laughs> the, way that I, the way that I put it, I was like, the thing about it, like, I'm mad because I want to say it was good. Okay. Is, like, every piece of it was good. The okay. cinematography was good. The acting right. was good. The directing was good. But it was a bad movie. So, like, the overall movie was bad. But everything else, all the components were good. So, I naturally want to say it was good. But it wasn't. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, you're no, describing my exact viewing of the Big Lebowski, like word for word, <laughs> like oh. everything, like just yeah. <laughs> so. That's my that's my nit. Okay, so Power of the Dog, not not great according to Tanner, not Oscar worthy. Nick, what do you have for us? So last weekend, I did what most people do: is they throw on their Roku or their streaming app, and they jump onto Hulu and I decided to finally sit back and watch 2005's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, shit. Never seen it before. 
but uh it's a fun spoof it's on sci-fi space films and stuff uh as it started i didn't realize how many people were actually in it so it was mm-hmm. like martin freeman most deaf sam rockwell being wild as always and mm-hmm. even zoe de chanel wasn't that annoying and then yeah. you got hans gruber himself playing a depressed robot so what's not to like um but yeah i thought it was fun that was funny very like british kind of humor in mm-hmm. there and then i just appreciated the use of like creature design and just the imaginative design of the worlds and everything else going on and like the technology they were using. Um, but it's still, it makes it uh, a pretty trippy movie at times, but I, I had a blast. So yeah. It's a really fun movie. I really like yeah that adaptation. It just, yeah, I'd, I, I'd heard the references, you know, the 42 and everything. So I was like, you know, it's, it's time to just knock this one off the bucket list. So yeah, I remember Sam Rockwell being a lot of fun in that movie. Um, yeah. but I don't think I've seen it since I saw it in theaters. Um, okay. All right. All right. So we got one knit, one pick. Jesse, what do you have? Okay. So I'd like to talk about Moon Knight. Okay. Nice. Uh, it was, I've, uh, I think there's three episodes out currently. Mm-hmm. I have not watched the third. Uh, we're two episodes in and it, is way better than I was expecting, honestly. Yeah. Number three is pretty good too, so it's it's going pretty good so far, I think. Yeah, it uh, the if you don't know about who Moon Knight is or like kind of what his shtick is, um, basically it's a guy who is dealing with dissociative identity disorder, um, but he is going through that because an avatar of the moon god is also inhabiting his body. Dope. Um, yeah, it's very cool. The The action is good. The CGI is good. Like, it's all around good. Cool. Uh, so I have honestly tried to not watch so much because I'm trying to finish a, a book. So I'm trying to write a lot. Um, wow. So the only thing I've actually sat down and I haven't even finished it, but I've been watching this multi-part documentary on Netflix that is just highly disturbing um it's about this like i guess relief it would be like the ryan seacrest of the uk like this really famous host um uh and uh in uh from like the 60s up through like the 90s and stuff and he was super charitable his name was jimmy savile he hosted like top Mm. of the pops he hosted some show where like he would people would write letters and he'd make their dreams come true. And then he was like really into funding hospitals and raising all this stuff. But then it turns out that the reason he was so interested in hospitals was he liked to go into them and essentially uh, rape drugged out young girls. He was like the most prolific pedophile in United Kingdom history. And essentially the UK covered it up because he was friends with all the royalty and all the parliament. And so it's on Netflix and it's just really upsetting. So, Oh God. Yeah. I wish I had something more lighthearted, but that's pretty much all I sat down and watched over the last like, couple of weeks. So, um, God damn. It's, a, it's a good true crime documentary, but it's going to bum you out. Just so you know. Um, totally. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a, a wild ride of a documentary, which is good for documentaries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the true. whole time you're watching, you're like, wow, this guy's a monster. And he was like the most famous guy in the United Kingdom for like 30 years. Awesome. It's like if Mr. Bean just raped a bunch of like hospital patients. Don't um, put that out there. Don't put that out there. Corey. No, I mean, Rowan Atkinson would never, but you know. Yeah, it's like if Bill Cosby drugged and raped a bunch of people. 
Oh, shots fired. Yep. Wait, what? That's, what that's happened? about right. You're right. You're right. There's a bunch <laughs> of people in Britain watching Bill Cosby documentaries going, hey, this guy. <laughs> this guy's a monster. <laughs> Moving on. So we have to talk about 1977 Star Wars colon A New Ooh. Hope. Um, so I th- and I, I'm just going to ask now, is it always been a new hope or did that get added later when they it just- got added later? Okay, so basically, Empire Strikes Back happened and that's when he dropped dropped the episodes in. Not the okay. in. So. All right. Got yeah, because it. it originally would have released not anticipating a sequel, right? Right. It, yeah, it was, it was just, just a Star Wars to start with. So Yeah. Well. 1977 Star Wars. Who has got some critic stats? You do. That would be me. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> I was in charge of the critic stats this week. IMDb rating, user rating, 1.3 million people have given it an 8.6 out of 10. Okay. With a meta score, which is only critics, giving it a 90 out of 100. Oh, wow. Rotten Tomatoes, uh, critic reviews, 92%, certified fresh. And then the Hmm. audience score of 96%. With, uh, so, I mean, across the board, um, people love it. It gets an A. And then our buddy, Roger Ebert, did review this film. Very excited. In 1977. Oh, wow. He reviewed it. At the time, guys, this is the most glowing review I've ever read by this man. So I don't know if this is his favorite movie of all time, but he acts like it. Four stars. Damn. For Star Wars. Gave it a perfect four star rating. Hmm. He essentially says that the Star Wars experience is it is one of those few movies in which it transports this out-of-body experience where he forgets he's watching a movie and feels like he's part of the movie. Other movies okay. that he says has done this is Bonnie and Clyde, Jaws, and Taxi Driver are on the short list of movies that gave him out-of-body experiences um, in which he felt like he left the theater and was in the movie. Huh. A very hypocritical thing he says is that what makes Star Wars the experience unique though is that it happens on such an innocent and often funny level it's usually violence that draws me so deeply into a movie this man made a career out of trashing slasher movies because they were grotesquely violent and here he is in 77 saying violence draws him deep into movies listen Corey, that's 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 40 dec that's four decades of, of a man growing and changing and having a lot of loss you know so hold on i'm I'm worried. Has anyone looked into like his his life? Because that sentence sounds like a serial killer has made his way into movie reviews and is just putting out there like, yeah, what really draws me in is violence and gore. He, and- he gives specifics. He says ranging from the psychological torment of a Bergman character to the mindless crunch of a shark's jaws. So he says he just likes violence, whether it's torturous or just really bloody. And so Hmm. I don't understand why just three short years later, he's crapping all over Friday the 13th movies. That's all I'm saying. I don't know what happened, you know, between then. What what I think happened is his wife went 
who knows about the killings. I'm like, Roger, you can't say that shit. People are going to look into you. Bring and he's it like, down. right, I got to I gotta get myself as far away from it as possible. And then he hard pivots. And in 10 years, we're going to get a documentary that shows how fucking dark Roger Ebert really was. Um, but Tanner, on your note, I think we could pitch that to Netflix right now and probably get a couple million dollars to just research and make this movie or this documentary. TM, 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 TM. Welcome to Netflix. <laughs> Greenlit. Um, he's called Star Wars a fairy tale, a fantasy, a legend. He calls it essentially like top tier sci-fi, but with the chivalry of a Robin Hood and heroes from yeah. Westerns when the villains are a cross between Nazis and sorcerers and mm. that it just kind of combines all these really cool things and that really the whole strength of the thing is just narrative. He essentially says mm-hmm. the effects are cool and that's all great, but it's the world and the narrative that essentially um, he just loves it. He said the only yeah. uh, flaw is uh, that the Death Star uh, assault scene at the end is too long. That's it. Mm. Since it's only flaw. Mm. It's just the start. The death. The assault on the Death Star is uh, a tad too long. So interesting. Either way, so the reviews for Star Wars 1977 are glowing. Uh, so which that moves us on to. We got we to gotta just like discuss and dissect Star Wars 1977, but we have to do it with some brevity and some and some class because you could talk for eight hours on yeah. Star Wars. Um, so the first thing is, Nick. Yeah. Why are you doing this to us? Like, why are you? Why, why did you bring Star Wars into this? Well, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, this will be coming out on May the 4th. So. All these Star Wars fans, may the fourth be with you. All that good stuff. Um, it's also just the start. May is the start of summer blockbuster season, and Star Wars is, if not the first blockbuster, it is the blockbuster. So it is responsible for everything that came after it in in that field. And so I just and the fact that we haven't covered them yet, it just felt like it was time. We're fifty plus episodes in, and it just felt like the right time to do it. Um, so I just wanted to jump in and rather than do the whole trilogy like we did with Lord of the Rings, I thought it would be more interesting to kind of have a discussion about what the impact of this movie was and maybe what the world would look like without it. So just kind of presenting the question, what is a world without Star Wars really like? A lot more peaceful. Maybe. In pop culture. Potentially. Maybe. A lot more. Um, pop culture might be dead. Adaptations, I think. And less originality, maybe. Indeed. I mean, I don't know. That's a pretty loaded question. Um, I, I, I think it would be a lot different, obviously. Um, I think a lot of there was a lot of like cinema that kind of tried to copy Star Wars and ride those coattails once it hit. And so we I don't, don't have to s- answer it right now, Corey, but because oh, I have yeah, we'll I have some it. stuff to present you. In our trivia section, so oh, thank God. we can really like, dive into it there. Okay, so I'm just going to let you answer the question then, because I have okay. no idea. <laughs> thank God. I was like, oh, I didn't know I needed to prepare an essay for tonight's podcast. <laughs> what the um, world's I'm like ready to hear Star your answers Wars. for a world without Star Wars and the go. Turn in your dissertations, please. <sighs> just uh, toys. Toys are different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then, franchises weren't a thing. Well, before um, before we let Nick um, open that can of worms, we have 
questions about Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, 1977. All right. I'm going to read these. As always, they're anonymous, but they're usually pretty obvious who they are. Why did we start with episode four? Why couldn't this be episode one? Sounds like a Tanner question. He seems to, yeah. seems to just hate like things like this. What are things like this? What does that mean? Successful I don't know. popular movies? Just, 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 I don't know. Like Maybe you have like a bit of an OCD thing. And like, it's just, why isn't this one? I think that just oh, bugs oh, you. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. It just, it's like, okay, you started it thinking it's going to be only one movie. And then immediately when it does really well, you're like, we're going to make fucking six of these motherfuckers. <laughs> like, immediately. Uh, well, the the true answer, I mean, is that it's, you know, he when he wrote these, he was basing them off of like all the old Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon serials from back in like the 30s that he grew up watching in the 40s. And so when he mixed all this together, when he couldn't get the rights to Flash Gordon, he made Star Wars up. And so when he continued to make more, I think he had this he I think once he got the idea of like, I'm going to make a lot of these, there, there's there's a debate on if he knew or he had like nine movies planned out or if he just kind of made it up as he's going. I think it's a little more to the right than or the latter than the former. But I think it is. Oh, he's yeah. like, yeah, I could I could make this into like a multi-series. He, could probably, he probably saw it as a multi-series thing, but he probably didn't plan out like, yeah, this will be the middle part until like he was pretty set that it's like, OK, this is going to be a thing, I imagine. Mm-hmm. So. That's yeah. my answer without too deep diving too much what was going on in George Lucas's brain. Yeah, so. I mean, like, there's obvious dialogue in A New Hope that suggests he didn't plan on Darth being the father, and yeah. there's an incestuous kiss in the second one that right. suggests maybe they weren't going to be siblings for a while, but whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so why doesn't the bar in Mos Eisley serve droids? They don't even drink. <laughs> We don't know that. <laughs> Maybe they just like a nice oil poured over a, like, a cold, cold ice. What did a droid do that like <laughs> this bartender is like, no, absolutely. Get the fuck out. Every last one of you. <laughs> like what droid walked up in here and just like fucking murdered everyone. A droid just, like, my paw. just took a piss on the bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like they're just hanging out. It was just either a really drunk droid, droid just ruined everything, or he has like a vendetta against droids because they like killed his family, like Ala, uh, I Robot. I, th- yeah, that or his wife ran off with like a C three PO unit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie I need there to is. see. There's the answer before sunset. Star Wars, a, a Star Wars story. So, um. <laughs> That's okay. That's that's probably the simple thing. The the bartender's wife ran off with a droid. That's just that's what I'm guessing. That or they're just if you can name two of the most annoying characters in all of Star Wars at C3PO and R2D2. So maybe he just doesn't like droids. Mm-hmm. Where did Luke and Han learn to shoot? Is this a positive? Is this like a complimentary question or like a negative question? This like is a negative they, question. Okay, so they're not very good. Well, like, if you watch them, they all, every time they shoot, they, like, jerk their eyes closed and, like, nod their head. It's like, every time they shoot, they just, like, blink really heavy. I'm like, who, who taught you to shoot? Like, what is this shooting style? 
Tanner's gotten into the like nitty gritty of this Star Wars universe. He is finding things that like I don't think I would have caught on the hundredth view of this. Well, that, that's <laughs> like, just that's just Tanner growing up in the Midwest with the rest of us. Nick, you apparently didn't mm-hmm. have a grandfather yelling at you. Don't close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> like when you got a shotgun and it's like bruising your collarbone, and you're like, I don't want to shoot it anymore. <laughs> it hurts. It's like you're gonna shoot until you get that clay pigeon and you open your eyes. I don't want it. I just want to dance. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, that's Corey and our uh, yeah. raising. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Luke and Han just didn't grow up in the Midwest. That's what I'm guessing. So, um, but he shoots rats with his car, essentially. <laughs> Womp rats. He's been shooting that's his wrong. Problem. That's like, his car shoots for him. So <laughs> that's when he's handed an actual gun, he's I like, think. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Getting through the rest of these questions. Should the Death Star staff be concerned about the obvious alien problem in their trash compactor? Yeah. Where's the exterminator? Like, this thing's swimming around. <laughs> How is it alive in a trash compactor? I think this is like the whole flushing an alligator thing. Like who yeah. who flushed the the alien that grew Squid too big? Thing. <laughs> I think it's like an octopus thing because it's able to not be squashed to death, but still able to pull Luke underwater. Yeah, he's also pulling him underwater that is shin high. So he's definitely got like a cave. He's got, he's got somewhere a in this in trash compactor. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's it's clearly a case of a stormtrooper flushing their pet. Like maybe they're not supposed to have pets on board. And like <laughs> but it's Darth cute. Vader walked I, in and I said, really wanted to keep it. Get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, they should probably be concerned that it's gotten as large as it has. So, um, is there a limited range on a force choke? Because could Darth Vader not have just force choked Luke when his Tie Fighter kind of got up? you know, was pursuing them in the X-Wing? Could he just not have done it with his mind? And- I feel like that could have been, I feel like that would have been within range. I mean, sure. As, as much as, I feel like he could have done that. I mean, at some point, he force chokes a dude in a hologram that's somewhere far yes. away. You know? Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, that's right. So I feel like, but he saw a physical representation of it. So you think he has to see it? <laughs> yeah, okay. in line of sight. In line of got it. Okay. As to be able to see it. And everybody's like, Look, that if make you play sense. D&D enough, a lot of spells are going to be within line of sight. Right? So that's how I see this happening. Gary Gygax made D&D in the late 70s. So I guarantee you it's going to be based off the same principles. Right? Line of sight or distance where it's like 60 feet. So you're saying someone may have come up to George Lucas and said, well, hey, can't Darth, we've already shown him force choking a hologram. Can he just force choke Luke right here? He's like, and George Lucas just slams his fist and says, don't you play (laughs) D&D? Don't you get how it works? (laughs) Get this dude off my set. We need the the deleted scene where Grand Marth Tarkin's just like, force choke him, force choke him. And Darth's like, that's not how it works. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there are limitations you don't understand the force <laughs> so, <laughs> oh the power of the force is greater than the death <laughs> Grim off Tarkin's last words are just mocking <laughs> Darth Vader oh 
These are all good robot chicken sketches. So Seth Green, if you're listening, we're giving you gold. We're giving you (laughs) gold. All right. That means, Nick, I'm handing it over to you. It is time for the junk drawer trivia and for you to (laughs) mansplain to me how (laughs) a world without Star Wars uh, looks. Yeah, so I'm just going to give you the entire history of Star Wars in three minutes. No, no, no. No, I'm definitely not going to cover that. So, obviously, like we talked about earlier, the idea behind moving it 40 years forward was to kind of play with the idea of, like, what does the world look like without Star Wars? So, I've got two main subjects here. So, we're going to talk about before Star Wars, and we're going to talk about after Star Wars. So, section one, which is really just about the man, George Lucas. California kid, raised on Disney, Flash Gordon in comics. Three instances in his life, three main points where he might not have created Star Wars or what happened may have changed course of history for us. So number one, car crash. Dude wanted to be a race car driver, spent most of his high school years racing on an underground circuit at fairgrounds, hanging out garages. In 62, a few days before his high school graduation, this dude got broadsided. It flipped his car several times before it crashed into a tree. His seatbelt had snapped, ejected him, and saved his life. He had a lot of internal bleeding and stuff, but obviously he survived. But that incident caused him to lose his interest in racing and also inspired him to pursue other interests. So A, he didn't die. And then B, he didn't become a race car driver. So right then and there, Mm. this dude is like a huge monumental moment in this dude's life. That does explain American Graffiti being yes. a racer movie in his yes. filmography. And also, you just described the exact same thing that happened to Stephen Piercy, the lead singer of Rat. <laughs> he was also going to be a race car driver, got in a wreck, and decided to be a hair metal singer instead. So. This sucks. I don't want to do and this anymore. The world anymore. is better for it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so car better. crash evaded. Love of car is still there, but we will get to that in a minute. Fair enough. So then... He goes to USC, graduates with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in 67. He tries joining the Air Force after getting a film degree, but was immediately turned down because of his numerous speeding tickets. Nice. Point one. So he, 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 dodged, he dodged a bullet there, literally. And then he dodged another couple bullets when he was drafted by the Army for Vietnam, but he was exempted after medical tests showed he had diabetes. Oh. So the dude not only once, but twice dodged being sent to Vietnam. Nice. And then we may have never even had him anywhere near a camera in his life. So big, big Hmm. hurdle jumped there. Um, So, all right. Pillar number three of this. George Lucas, the indie cinephile, the original, the OG hipster, because this dude was super cinephile. He went to USC. He obsessed with artsy visual films coming out like stuff called that was pure cinema, quote unquote. It focused on making non-story, non-character visual tone poems and short films. That sounds that's awful. What, that's what that he leaned into super hard. When he was exempted from the military, he re-enrolled at USC for his graduate program and he made a short film, Electronic Labyrinth THX 1138, which would go on you know, to be his first feature film but he won first prize at a student film fest for this. And he got a scholarship to go work on Francis Ford Coppola's uh, film, Finian's rainbow. And that's where they became friends. And that's where he basically got to make his first movie. So from there, he made THX 1138, not a success. So pretentious filmmaker makes studio 
mo- makes a movie outside the mainstream studio and makes artsy film that fails. Had he not, he wouldn't have then been uh, motivated to write and direct American Graffiti, which Coppola kind of challenged him to do. And that success is what led to him getting paid enough and getting in the good graces of people to sell and pitch the idea to make Star Wars. So literally, had the dude been able to be... And and honestly, in the 70s, like that was his best shot at being a pretentious, like artsy filmmaker too. And he didn't succeed at it. So three points. Hmm. We could have not had Star Wars just because of George Lucas's life history. You said so much weird stuff in the last five minutes. I'm just, my brain's just going in eight different directions. Yeah, I'm still like processing everything. That yeah, was it's, just a lot. I'm, it's a lot. I'm still processing that you can't join the Air Force if you get speeding tickets. I feel like that's who they should let in the Air Force. <laughs> hey, you like to go fast, huh? Here's a jet. We got the I'll fastest fast, thing alive. Kid. Fastest thing in the galaxy right then, here, baby. I'm trying to imagine, Fr- like, F- Francis Ford Coppola... You're telling me someone won a short film contest and then had to come work on his movie? That sounds like something he didn't agree to. Like, it's just one of those weird, like... So, he got to pick the movie he wanted to work on, and he chose Coppola's movie because oh. Coppola was seen as, like, a one of the graduates who made it from USC. So, like, oh, we yeah. got... He was kind of a hero of theirs. So, he's like, oh, I want to go work with him. Still, well, that this, sounds like when someone contest. wins like a like a dinner with a movie star. You know that guy is like mad. Like they're like, oh, I gotta <laughs> yeah. Eat well, with a they fan. became friends and they started their own little ant uh, outside the studio system. The American uh, blah blah blah, whatever it's called. The, and then that kind of felt the American zoetrope in '69. That was hoping to like liberate filmmakers, but it just never it, it didn't pan out. Obviously, so I love it. Wait. The American liberate them from- Zotrope, from big studio mainstream and all their mm. meticulous, hey, let's change this, let's change this. George gotcha, Lucas's gotcha, whole gotcha. George Lucas's whole career as a filmmaker is, I don't want to work with the studio, I want to make my own movies, and then he lives long enough to see himself become the villain, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So we've, I love it. Yeah, we've covered, it. So, we've covered the three possibilities before Star Wars where it couldn't have even been made. Now let's talk about the things that got affected by the existence of Star Wars in 77. So the three pillars. We'll start with blockbusters. Was it the first one? No. Jaws came before it. You, some people even label things like Ben Fer, Ben-Hur and even American Graffiti as kind of kickstarting and leading that way. But mm-hmm. Star Wars was the one that did it and did it like super well. It had a heavy focus on excitement and thrills, began to change the way films were made, and left some people in that era of time uh, mourning the smaller scale stories that would start to fall by the wayside. But by pitching films to kids, releasing it just before the summer holidays began because kids had nothing else to do because it was the 70s, they had sticks and rocks to play with, Lucas made sure that he created this revenue stream that just kept giving. And at that point, and that's also where you get sequels that are actually being planned out and being made. It was just a huge surge in teen-friendly action spectacle movies, and that's still going to this day. That's interesting. Hmm. So that's the blockbuster obviously was perfected in a way by George Lucas. The idea of this then translates into another huge aspect of what Star Wars effect was, is that this thing... So George Lucas, when he made it in the negotiations, he said he'd direct the film for the sum of just one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. 
as long as he got the merchandising Damn, rights. Holy shit. As long as he got the merchandising rights to the film. So oh, nobody thought about it. They were like, eh, toys weren't a thing with movies then. Again, it was an adult, adult, adults, movies were more for adults at the time. Yeah. So he focused all his advertising efforts on teenage boys and girls, even to the point that none of the big toy companies like even like wanted to like make toys for him. It was this company called Kenner. So when it blew up, sales were so crazy that the toy company Kenner uh, were able to sell empty boxes at Christmas called the Star Wars Early Bird Certificate Package. (laughs) <laughs> which just promised kids they would get the action figures that eventually came back in stock. Mail in rain check, basically. And they didn't get them until spring IOU. 78. Yeah. So a whole like six months, basically, probably, or more. So, Incredible. so yeah. So toys became this big thing for companies to go, dude, we can make so much money with these franchises aimed at kids and we'll sell all these toys. And it became this idea now that toys were as collectibles, not just trinkets, like things for kids yeah. to play with. And so Beanie Babies, stuff like that also um, owe a lot to Star Wars. So George Lucas, initially $150,000 to make Star Wars, the movie, the toys and games and everything else. As of 2010, they made $14 billion, double yeah. the amount of the movies. Incredible. So toys, toys, more toys, boys. Oh, yeah. The amount of toys and, like, games and stuff compared to, like, movies is astronomical, right? Yeah. Like, I just looked up his net worth because I didn't even imagine. And it's, like, $6.1 billion. Yeah. And I assume most of that is going to be from mm-hmm. the toys and yeah. shit. Like, the merchandising. It's cra- it's cra- crazy. So, one last, th- one last big thing, and then we'll jump transition right into the next section. So obviously the next thing was the special effects. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if, if you even look back 10 years before this at like Planet of the Apes, that which was seen as like this monumental, like, wow, the makeup and stuff's so good. You look at it now, you're like, oh, it was okay. It wasn't for the time. It was fine. But the yeah. leap that they made just in that 10 years is crazy. And that that's because he had to start up his own company to make all the stuff, the industrial light and magic, and then later THX and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He had to create it, and this studio has lived on since then. He basically brought them all back for Empire, and the and the studio stuck around since. And they've made stuff from Harry Potter, Pirates of the Caribbean, Marvel franchises, and on. Uh, one branch of it, uh, the graphics group of ILM, managed by John Lasseter, was sold to Steve Jobs. After further development, Jobs sold again, and they made the first ever CGI movie, Toy Story. So mm. no Star Wars, potentially no Toy Story. Now, I think you would still see advancement in technology and stuff, but I sure. think that this really advanced to him. The fact that he created a studio just to do this helps us get these creature things of the 80s and stuff like that. Helps us get Pixar, helps us get or things that he would push on to do like green screen, motion capture and things of that nature. But yeah, the, without Star Wars, there's a potential we don't have a Pixar Studios. We don't have a Toy Story. And then there are obviously other movies that are connected and made in lieu of that. You've got Indiana Jones, his relationship with Spielberg. Uh, lots of sci-fi got birthed and brought back up again. So you, without Star Wars, you don't really get a Battlestar Galactica movie. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you don't get Star Trek movies because they were talking about remaking making a sequel season for the TV show. So 
Yeah. Star Wars made them go, let's, we can turn this into a movie series. And then you've got other stuff like Top Gun that the Jerry Bruckheimer and our people were inspired by, or James Cameron was like, hey, I saw Star Wars and I stopped being a truck driver. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. So, I can live without Toy Story, though. How fucking <laughs> dare you? <laughs> so from what I hear, Nick, you're saying Star Wars eventually led to the death of practical effects. It was the birth and the death, actually, if you really think about it that way, because it, right. it pushed the genre of, of stuff forward, practical effects. But then George Lucas, again, again, Tanner, it's the arc of George Lucas from, <laughs> from aspiring creative to corporate like, overlord. Overlord, yeah. <laughs> I feel like George Lucas is in Skywalker Ranch right now, sitting on a giant pile of money surrounded by Star Wars props saying, I hate myself. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if if the last three movies didn't make do it to him, I don't know what will. So, so I think he's just like, I hate myself. I was supposed yeah. to make Scorsese movies. <laughs> all right. So, so just all that to kind of right. to wrap it up. Basically, this movie obviously has had a huge effect, not just on film nerds and stuff, but just the industry as a whole. Like fandoms be, exist pretty much because of this, but a lot of the branches of of movies, the reason that we're just overloaded with franchises and sequels and stuff is because of this movie. Like yeah. the, the next 40 years is shaped because of everything that came from this, whether you love it or you hate it. This is the mon- This is the moment. So star Wars is an evil thing. Got it. That's all I took from all this. It's an evil. I mean, evil basically. Thing. Yeah. So it's okay. just, yeah, I love it. Okay. All right, cool. That means We've got an idea of what the world without Star Wars would look like, which would be pretty different. Which means it's time to get in our time machine and take the very, very short trip back. Back to 2017. 2017. The Rebellion is reborn today. See, you stole everyone your deepest, darkest secret! Ah! Dominic Toretto just turned on us. If you're nothing without this shoe, then you shouldn't have Okay? And I will not be the last Jedi. You have arrived. And off we go to 2017, where we go walk up to the box office. And at number 10, we see... Justice League, oh. a shitstorm of a movie. <laughs> wow. Number nine, Despicable Me 3, Thanks a Lot Toy Story. <laughs> Number eight, Thor Ragnarok. I'm fine with it. Number seven, It, also fine with it. Number six, Spider-Man Homecoming, brilliant. Five, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Number four, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Number three, Wonder Woman. Number two, Incredibly, Beauty and the Beast. Oh my God! Yes. And number one. <laughs> and number one, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Literally all ten of those franchise remake reboot sequel. Uh, false. Yep. It it is just a book adaptation. Fair. Technically, not so. the first one. Yeah, it was a, no. kind of a remake. Kind yeah, of, kind, kind of, of, re- kind of, sort of. I, but I but do think that Stephen it. King. 
is the only movie that would still exist if we literally did take Star Wars and drop it in 2017. While we walk out of the theater seeing all of these despicable, (laughs) despicable (laughs) movies, and we put on our bow ties and our suits and our shiny shoes, we tie them up nice and tight, and we walk the red carpet to the Oscars. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yes. Does anyone have eyes on Will Smith? Are we getting kicked out? Not here. We actually don't belong here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're all hiding in the shadows. (laughs) Uh, So at the 90th Oscars, that was in 2018, uh, we'll go down the list with actress in a supporting role. Winner was Allison Janney for I, Tanya. Okay. That's good. Uh, For actor in a supporting role Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards yeah yeah actress in a leading role Frances McDormand for you guessed it Three Billboards actor in a leading role Gary Oldman for The Darkest Hour now for best pictures we've got a lot of on the list here okay we've got nominees Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri The Post Phantom Thread Lady Bird Get Out, Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, Call Me By Your Name, and the winner, The Shape of Water. Hmm. I think some of those would exist <laughs> without Star Wars. But, yeah, I think, yeah, I think a good number of those I think the Oscar exist. type of films, would. Those, those were obviously, that was more of what the 70s was about pre-Star Wars, was these very thinking man's movies, challenging the status quo, smaller right. scale things, you know? And so yeah, the, but I, the Oscars are like super pissed. Star Wars existed because they like they created this entire demographic of moviegoer. They don't cater to, but they feel like they have to cater to now. Yeah. They have to like put in like that one movie. That's like, well, Dune was a really big hit and they really loved it. Let's give it the technical awards, I guess. And let's just move on from there. I mean, Star mm-hmm. Wars itself even was nominated in that year. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely like a, a position of you don't see like the big blockbusters yeah. in a lot of these. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely like the Oscars is mm-hmm. trying very hard to not like bring that in, but they're definitely kind of having to. Um, Outside of the Oscars, there are some trends, double dip movies. So there are some twin movies. Two scoops, please. Let's see what we've got. We've got a couple uh, starting with Churchill and The Darkest Hour. Oh. Both are films about Winston Churchill. Mm -hmm. Also, the TV film, Churchill's secret is also about Winston Churchill. Oh, you know, they made that like six months. They're like, there's two new Churchill movies. We got to make this real quick. Churchill's secret came out first in 2016. And then they put out the two (laughs) big movies. And Gary Oldman's like, I got this. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) I can do it better. (laughs) Um, which is funny because the next line on this twin films thing is darkest hour and Dunkirk. Huh. Which okay. are both both films about the planning yeah. of the evacuation of Dunkirk. Okay, yeah, 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 that makes sense. So, there's that. Um, we've got The Age of Pioneers and Salute 7. 
hmm. which are both Russian films based on facts and feature Soviet cosmonauts. Oh, cool. So okay. based on true cosmonaut stories, I guess. Um, then we've got in 2017 and then just on the edge of 2018 here, Goodbye, Christopher Robin and Christopher Robin. That's right. Yeah, we, we, got, we got both the Finding Neverland and the hook of the Winnie the Pooh universe. Right. So it's like what they say here is the former is about the life of Winnie the Pooh, author A.A. A. Milne, uh, or sorry, A.A. A. Milne's son, Christopher Robin. The latter is about the adult life of the book character, Christopher Robin, right. who author A.A. A. Milne based on his son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just about the son. Interesting. Um, and then the, the, the last one on the list, the last two, I guess, on the list are Crowhurst and The Mercy, hmm. which I don't know either of them. No. no Apparently, idea. both films are about Donald Crowhurst's ill-fated entry in the Sunday Times Golden Globe Race, a nonstop round-the-world sailing competition. Uniquely, these films not only have an identical subject, but were also distributed by the same studio, Studio Canal. Wow. According to Studio Canal, <laughs> the company bought the low-budget production Crowhurst, quote, so we could control it. So you made a movie of, of the same style, the same movie that you were making, but and you said we're going to so, buy it? <laughs> so Crowhurst came out in 2017, and I guess Studio Canal saw, I guess they were in the making of it. Yeah. And saw that Crowhurst was like the low budget version. Okay. So they just bought the movie so that they could, I guess, kind of tank it so yeah, that, that their right. normal movie would do better. Uh, you mean a giant, a bigger company bought a smaller company and then just like shit on all of its releases one year? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That never happens, Tanner. That's what are fair. you talking about? Rest in yep. peace, Fox. Fox. Sad. Uh, that's that's it for double dip movies, twin films. Uh, other than all of all of those, what uh, did you guys see in 2017 that you liked? So I have looks like I have one sequel and two originals. So the War for the Planet of the Apes, those those movies, the the, the new versions of those, that trilogy that came out is pretty underrated, I think. And this last one was really cool. Um, I thought, and and again, that's that was a great a special effects movie, and also just an interesting commentary kind of movie. Atomic yeah. Blonde, uh, Charlize Theron, kind of the a lot of people just refer to it as like the female uh, John Wick, but I think it has its own identity and is, it kind of stands yeah. out on its own. And then the Big Sick, which I I loved, it was a great little kind of a rom com, uh, mm-hmm. and it was just it was a fun little movie that was written, you know. Uh, by to a couple uh, who yeah, name true, escapes based me. on their true stories. Yeah. Camille and Johnny mm-hmm. and Emily. Uh, yeah. I loved the big sick. It was also one of my favorite movies of 2017. Uh, the others I had were the disaster artist, <laughs> which I thought was really fun. Yeah. Um, Happy death day came out this year. That was nice. a fun one. That was fun. And I, I, Really loved Happy Death Day. Yeah. Uh, and then Logan Lucky came out this year. That's as well. right. That's a good one. And 
You that and was those, just so much fun. You and those heist movies, my boy. Mm-hmm. What about you, Corey? Uh, I mean, like, we already talked about It came out, but mm-hmm. also 1922 and Gerald's Game came out, which were also really strong Stephen Gerald's King adaptations. Gerald's Game was really good, yeah. mm-hmm. um, This was definitely a Stephen King year. Uh, there was yeah. a horror movie called The Ritual that I highly recommend. I believe it's on Netflix. I think they own it. Um, it's okay. really really good modern horror and that's hmm. hard to come by but okay. i would say like this year my two of my favorite movies were like uh true true movies i guess movies based on true things uh tom cruise's american made replayed like a nice. pilot yeah. that you know flew yeah, you love that movie <laughs> drug running for pablo escobar and it was fun and then also uh all the money in the world which is this mark Wahlberg movie where essentially it's this really rich uh oil tycoon's uh, grandson gets kidnapped and he's like refuses to pay the ransom <laughs> and like mark Wahlberg's <laughs> trying to find the kidnappers because um, this billionaire old man won't pay his own grandson's ransom so it's pretty that's but it's hilarious. pretty good actually so nice that's awesome actually that does sound really fun all right have we set that- the table i think there there's just i think the only question that remains is your favorite question Corey. I hate this question. I never know how to answer this question. This is my weakness on this podcast. <laughs> you ask it. I don't want, I don't like it. How does it change? I think. Yeah, I feel uh, like Nick's done the most research. Nick, you tell us. How yeah, it I think that if Star Wars was introduced now, it would probably follow the same path as like a Guardians of the Galaxy a bit. I mean, it, it Guardians of the Galaxy very much is like a, a is is riffing off of expectations but also like what came before with star wars um mm-hmm. i don't I mean, know i think it would just it would be a very interesting world to see it blow up in this era and i think it would because we're also talking about this is probably nearing the end of a point where and and really is past the point where such a movie can be such a big zeitgeist moment because yeah. now we're at this point with streaming and everything that things come out they're discussed and as if it's a binge watch thing it's done in two weeks if it's a episodic thing like moon Knight and the marvel shows you get six weeks of it and but then there's the fresh new piece of candy for you to eat right after you're done so it's harder to because this thing lived on like it it was huge then they you know you this was back when vhs's were still hadn't taken off yet Mm re-releases re-releases uh, I mean, in the 90s, it was released, and that's what gave him the courage to make the next movies. And so I, I think that it, I, I wonder if it would have the staying power in a current climate like this, where it would be so huge. Yeah, I think I don't think it would have the staying power just because, like, like you're saying, everything right now is just like dispensable. Yeah. You know, like we we get it, we ingest it mm-hmm. and then move on it disappears yeah um and i i just think that something would have just taken its place so we would have like instead of star wars everything being based off star wars right like we'd get something else we get conan the barbarian and schwarzenegger is the biggest human on earth i mean it would be it would be easy just to say that we got a star wars in 2017 but it wouldn't Mm -hmm. have gotten the budget that Force right. Awakens got no, because yeah. Force Awakens was an established property, you know. So I think totally. it's like in 2017, Netflix released a Will Smith movie called Bright, and I think yeah, which was fun. I think Star Wars would have been like that. It would have been a much lower budget, 
Netflix feature if someone had written this script mm. in 2017. Yeah, I think it would have been streaming. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a streaming thing with a smaller budget. And that's what I think would have happened if someone had come up with this script in 2017. Mm. Just Honestly, Amazon I think or Netflix buys it. It'd be a series. I don't think it'd be. I think they would have taken it up as a series. I don't think they would have put it into it. Yeah, it's, we're definitely at that point where where that that it be, that the question now becomes new IP. Do we throw it on a? Do we put a bunch of money behind it for a blockbuster, or do we just say six epi- six to ten episodes? So yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. I'm trying to think of the yeah. last big franchise property that was a movie first. Harry Potter was books. Hunger Game was books. Marvel's comics, Lord of the Rings. So I mean, uh, books. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it'd be hard to know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not, yeah. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. But all right, let's do this. Let's do it. You guys ready to cast Star Wars yes. 1977 in 2017? We're starting fresh. It doesn't exist. We've only brought the original first one in. Empire doesn't exist. Return of the Jedi. None of the lore. None of it exists. It's the Last just, Jedi is not coming out this year, so those actors are available. Yeah, theoretically, <laughs> theoretically, none of the Everyone. Star Wars movies exist. So we're starting fresh. This is just some weird space western that we're going to try and sell to Netflix. <laughs> so we're going to give it a we're going to give it a good cast to bring. All right, try and sell this bad boy. Nick, you chose this, so you're the director, which means. Tanner and I have come up with cast lists, and we're going to pitch them to you, roll by roll, and you're going to choose whichever one you like. Tanner, you and I are bound by rules and the rules of Quantum Recast, because we can't just go casting willy-nilly. We have to put some criteria on it. Rule number one, any actor we cast in 2017, Star Wars must be alive. Um, and according to Tanner, they have to be alive the whole year. Can't put John Belushi in 1982's <laughs> Big Lebowski. So That's correct. So, rule number two, any actor we cast in 2017, Star Wars must be free. They can't be incarcerated or in jail or anything like that. Um, they, they have to be available to act. Um, rule number three. Any actor uh, that we cast in 2017 Star Wars must be active. We define that as they have to have at least one acting credit in 2017 or prior to on IMDb. They don't have it. We don't. Nope. They're not working. And then number four, the big one. Any actor we choose for 2017 Star Wars and Nick chooses them. They lose all major film credits in 2017. Mm-hmm. We don't count TV or TV movies or voice acting, just major film roles they had in 2017. And as we went through the top 10, there was a buttload of superhero and franchise films oh, yeah. that we might be messing with on this episode. Might be killing some darlings. So, um, <laughs> Is that right, Corey? Are we going to kill some darlings this time? Very possibly. Uh, I'm Corey, so scared. Corey might be going in blind. He might not have actually oh checked IMDb, <laughs> see what the actors he casted. Oh, he's going to be pitching Nick are, are doing. I got in a bad feeling about this. This will be a good time. So, Nick, though, you as the director, you get two power ups. So, yes. this might not be a total train wreck. You can at least, you know, polish up at least one wheel of this train before right. it bursts into flames. 
Your first power-up is at any point, usually towards the end, you can retroactively switch any two actors in their roles. If you just feel like, no, they would have been better suited for somewhere else, you can do that. And then the big power-up, your override. At any point during the casting of a role, you can just tell me and Tanner to go eat a big bag of wampa crap and say, (laughs) I'm choosing my own guy here. I'm putting my own actor in, my own... My own man or lady in this role, and uh, we have to live with it. And so, um, you but you can only do that once, and you have to do it during that particular role. That cannot be done retroactively. Yee! So, yee! <laughs> that means I got to hand it over to Nick, the director. You, Star Wars is obviously a big cast, so it is. you can tell us uh, how we handle that. Uh. So we handle this in the new way that we handle it uh, with our 30 seconds or less segment. We pick some of these smaller under uh, supporting cast members and you guys just tell you basically are going to throw names at me and I'm going to pick one and we'll try to do this as fast as humanly possible. Entering hyperspeed now, boys. So the people that we're going to go through real quick is from the bottom up. We have Stormtrooper, and yes, you can have as much fun with that one as you want. Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen uh, of Luke's family. Wedge Antilles, ace uh, fighter pilot of the Rebellion. Biggs Darklighter, not-so-ace pilot and friend of Luke (laughs) Skywalker. And the big one, Mr. Furry Big Hug Dog himself, Chewbacca. Mm -hmm. So, gentlemen, are you ready? Yes. Ready. Corey, I will start with you, and then I will move to Tanner. Nice. Jesse, ready in three, two. All right. Stormtrooper, Corey, what do you got? Tom Cruise. <laughs> okay. Tanner. The cast of Take 5. The cast of Take 5 takes it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aunt Beru, Corey. Selma Hayek. Selma, oh, okay. All right. Uh, Tanner. Olivia Coleman. I don't know who that is. I'm sorry. Uh, Selma Hayek will be playing Aunt Beru. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Uncle Owen. Uh, Corey. <laughs> Gerard Butler. Interesting. Okay, Tanner. Uncle Owen. Biff himself, Tom Wilson. Oh, it's, uh, Tom Wilson. Let's go. Let's let's have some fun with this. All right. Uh, Wedge Antilles. Corey, your favorite character or one of them. Sebastian Stan. Oh, okay. All right. Tanner. Randall Park. Oh, oh, that's fun. But no, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be Sebastian. It's gonna be Sebastian. Uh, Biggs Darklighter. Corey. Topher Grace. Tanner. Nice. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. Oh, uh, Shia. <laughs> We're going Shia. Uh, and last one, Chewbacca. Corey. Jason Momoa. Momoa. <laughs> Good. Cor- uh, Tanner. Brad Garrett. Okay, I'm going to give you one second to explain that. Everybody loves Raymond. Okay, yeah, that's right. But not oh, Raymond. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Momoa. And done. Brad Garrett is Wait. six foot nine. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. hey, Tanner, did you just Google tall actors? Because that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had I had Vincent D'Onofrio down, and then I was like, I don't know if he's tall enough. And I then almost, I looked. I almost put Vince Vaughn, but then I just said, uh, J- Jason Momoa, I feel like you can go around his already, you know, yeah. huge mane. You know, yeah. So I like the I like that we're all just the the stormtroopers though. That that plays really well. Cast of Take yeah. Five. You know, 
all five of our take five fans will be happy to see that. So yeah, which for those who all listening don't know who take five are, that is Tanner Reisner, Nick Grohl, and Corey Williams, along with J- Joel Dameron and Tommy Williamson. So yeah, <laughs> all um, of us just missing Luke Skywalker and Han Solo constantly through the movie and getting blown up. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because I like to do it, I'm going to name the actors who played these roles just to give them okay. yep, credit. I think that's fair. Um, so just the first stormtrooper you come to in the cast is Scott Beach. Good job, Scott. Uh, you're the top billed stormtrooper on IMDb. Uh, Big Starlighter is uh, played by Garrick Hagan. Uh, Wedge Antilles is played by Dennis Lawson. And Baru is played by Sheila uh, Fraser. Uncle Owen is played by Phil Brown, and Chewbacca is played by Peter Mayhew. So just, okay. just to give them some love. Got it. So did Peter Mayhew do the che- the Chewbacca sounds? Did he do those? Or is that I'm some not other person? sure. Okay. I can Google okay. that while we're moving. Forward. I'm just curious. Like, because I mean, I feel like in 2017, they're just going to give Jason Momoa like, like we're going to take like a, a lion roar with a whale screech, and they're just going to make yeah. some its own sound in post so it is uh, it is peter, Mew- oh, peter yeah. Mayhew. i was yeah. just about to say peter mayhew did do the voice oh, nice, nice. Yeah. all right cool nice good job wait peter. but google says mayhew did not provide the voice of chewbacca it was created by the sound designer bill burt or ben burt oh gosh the mystery is oh. out there we'll never yeah. know google says chewbacca slash voiced by peter mayhew interesting from the, the muppet show <laughs> amazing <laughs> <laughs> nice okay fair enough um, maybe, maybe, maybe the sound people created it and Peter Mayhew learned it. So we'll just say maybe, that. Perhaps. But there is at yeah. least 40 books written on Star Wars. It's in there. It's out there. Go find yeah. it. So it's out um, there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which means, Nick, who's in the top build cast? All right. We got seven. Broke it down to seven for you guys. So from the bottom Thank up, you. we're going to start with C-3PO. We're going to move to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Next to our big villain, Grand Moff Tarkin. The outlaw himself, Han Solo, Princess Leia Organa, Darth Vader, the big, bad, and iconic cinema villain, and of mm-hmm. course, the hero, Luke Skywalker. Those seven, Let's lining them up, this. knocking them out. So, you guys ready? Yes. I'm ready. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Since Corey went first in the 30 seconds or less, Tanner, you will go first with C3PO. Oh, Biggs is right. I'm never going to get out of here. Is there anything I might do to help? No, not unless you can alter time, speed up the harvest, or teleport me off this rock. I don't think so, sir. I'm only a droid and not very knowledgeable about such things. Not on this planet, anyway. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure which planet I'm on. That's fair. I appreciate this. I'm actually very into this one. C-3PO is played by Anthony Daniels. Uh... He this is pretty much the role he's known for. Um, there's not much uh, note that he did outside of this, um, unless somebody wants to correct me. Um, but he's the he's a talking uh, a droid. He's a translator. He knows thousands of languages. And he was previously owned, we find out, by Luke's father. But in this movie, he's just one of the droids with R2-D2 that's on the run from the Empire at the beginning of the movie with a message for Luke to pass to Obi-Wan Kenobi to help save Princess Leia Organa. Kind of kickstarting the uh, plot of the movie. So, mm-hmm. Tanner, who, who is your C-3PO? I just want to say, I, I, I had to fight so hard not to bring Richard Kind 
into this role. <laughs> I wanted it so bad, but just couldn't do it. Um, instead, I brought you a guy who I actually think is really good for the role, Richard Iwadi. Oh, my God. <laughs> which you would know from the IT crowd. He's in The Watch. Um, he's also just like all over like British but inspired because he's already played a droid. Got it. Which droid did he play? <laughs> he was uh, the voice. Uh, he was in uh, the very first episode of Man- Mandalorian. Oh, was well, he? Okay, here's the thing. The amount of Star Wars like TV shows and stuff that's out there. It's every like, actor somehow every... attached. <laughs> yeah, it's like every <laughs> actor I looked at, I was like, God damn it. They've rubbed yeah, shoulders like with Star in... Wars a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's like kind of impossible. So yeah, no, I get it. The fuck off. There are definitely, <gasps> definitely multiple actors that I was like, oh, they'd be perfect for this. And then looked it up and was like, I haven't seen that. And they're in it. So, I mean, I was right. I guess. But they are also already in a Star Wars thing. Yeah. Yee. Wow. So Richard Iowati. All right. Okay. I like I like that. I like him. He's fun. He's funny. He's British. It works. Uh mm-hmm. Corey, who do you got? Um, I just wanna say that I looked up Anthony Daniels IMDB. He's got eighty eight acting credits, and I would say eighty seven of them are C three PO. Uh, yeah. Wow. So all right, he did voice cool, Legolas cool, cool. in the Lord of the Rings animated thing. So, um, oh, wow. that's about. Wow. Other than that, he's pretty much C three PO. He he found a role and went Just to the stuck bank with it. So find your niche way to the dig bank. It. Yeah, someone kept handing him checks, and he said, "Yes, sir." So mm-hmm. all right, I love it. Okay, um, I went. I honestly. So Richard Iowati's the first guy I wrote down and I said, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to, I'm going to go some different route though. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to. Ch- and you brought Richard kind. No, no, I <laughs> brought Tom Hiddleston. Loki. Oh, so that's who I brought. Hmm. Okay. Uh, What's he doing this year? Well, according to the top 10 box office, he is in Thor oh, Ragnarok. Oh, in Ragnarok, right. So, yeah. Interesting. Um, Corey hates Ragnarok, so that I makes say sense. burn it What to He does. Ground. He hates it. I think it's one of the Ragnarok's worst the best one. Uh, Marvel movies. So, um, But it's so, like one of the best Thor movies. Um, yeah, I guess. Um, this isn't hard. <laughs> But uh, right. Thor, Ragnarok, and Kong Skull Island are his 2017 credits. And gotcha, I don't think gotcha. we need either of them. So, Listen, Richard Iowati is only doing Paddington 2 this year. So, I think... What? Paddington 2 is like considered that. a perfect film. Oh, no. What? <laughs> I haven't seen it. Yeah, that's true. I do know a lot of people that are like, it's considered incredible. It's weirdly this thing that's just considered this perfectly made film. Like, I yeah, the both both movies are it, like yeah, but Paddington two and Paddington one are seen as like these like like amazing films, but they're just kids movies about Godly the bear. <laughs> and I mean, there's a bunch of Lokis. Disney Plus has already like established that, so. Okay, I'm just gonna make this quick and painless. Maybe not for Corey, but I'm going with nice. Richard I- Iode. I can't even pronounce his name. But Iwadi. 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 Uh yeah, I like I like him for this role. Uh because 
unlike Corey, I actually do like Thor Ragnarok, and it kind of doesn't work without Loki in it. So Works we're going with Richard. Fun. Jesse, please mm-hmm, write mm-hmm. it down. Moving on to our next character, it will be Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long time. I think my uncle knows him. He said he was dead. Oh, he's not dead. Not yet. Well, you know him. Well, of course I know him. He's me. Obi Wan Kenobi? Played by Alec, Sir Alec Guinness, excuse me. Uh, you know him mostly, most modern audiences will know him as Obi-Wan Kenobi, but he made other movies such as The Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, he's just had a big acting career way before this, and so he's kind of like the old actor that's brought in to give the movie some prestige. Um, but Obi-Wan Kenobi, the character, former Jedi Knight, uh, has been in hiding for years, watching over Luke Skywalker in secret. And stumbles in, saves Luke Skywalker, and then is like, hey, I need you to help me come save this princess when he gets the message from R2. And so he's basically fulfilling the role of the wise old sage in the hero's journey. Luke initially says no, but then when his aunt and uncle are murked, he decides to go, let's go with it. So murked. So uh, Tanner made it. So Tanner, give me your Obi-Wan Kenobi. This was probably the first character I cast. Oh. Um, it was very easy to me. I didn't write more than one name down. Okay. And I am destroying oh, no. Paddington 2. Oh, my God. Um, Stop it. Burning it to the ground. <laughs> what are we doing? The perfect movie that it is. Uh, but I'm apparently burning it to the ground. Um, I'm bringing you Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. If you don't know Peter Capaldi, he uh, he played Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, yeah. One iteration before, so uh, what is that, the 11th Doctor? Um, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. he was also in Suicide Squad. He was the thinker. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, he's just a very, like, stoic, very put-together, like, uh, kind of sagey guy. Mm-hmm. In, I mean, in Doctor Who, he is kind of balanced out both ways. He has a lot of you know um i'm just gonna say uh paddington was also made by studio canal and the president of ukraine voiced paddington i just want that to be look what you're destroying tanner wow that's actually incredible the ukrainian version was voiced yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so naturally you can't pick this nick (laughs) (laughs) it's too late he's already destroyed paddington too with richard iowati um, but yeah, Peter Capaldi, he just has this like wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. It seems like in Dr. Who. So he has that. And then he has all these very good moments of being like the, you know, teaching sage, but mm-hmm. then he can go, you know, um, kind of kooky crazy. Yeah. If we need him to. Mm-hmm. And then as well in that he does have a lot of like action sequences so we can see him fighting and like, yeah. he has that ability. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of an easy pick for me. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I'm seeing it. I'm understanding your pick. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Processing. Letting it marinate. Corey, give me what you got. Um, okay. I can do this. I can do this. (laughs) You can do Uh, it. I'm kind of like now starting to look up some of my cast. Force is strong with you, Corey. Pivot later. 
Oh, wow. Okay, I can do this. Um, so I'm kind of like Tanner. I wrote down a name initially pretty quick, but I backed mm-hmm. off. My, I backed off my initial. I did that a lot. I backed off a lot of my initial and then maybe it's going to screw me in the end. I mean, I, I, I initially said, let's 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 give Morgan Freeman a shot at being Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, okay, it's all sure. exposition and narration. So it's like, right, let's just right, make yeah. this nice and have yeah, yeah, okay. Morgan Freeman who should narrate all things. Um, but I decided, no, no, I need I need a little more grit. Um, I, I just yeah. don't I can't see Morgan Freeman wielding a lightsaber and being threatening in any way, shape or form. Because mm-hmm. Alec Guinness, even though he comes off as the frail old man, when he goes up to Darth, you're like, I bet this dude knows some stuff. You know, I bet he does. Yeah. So I'm bringing you not quite as old, but I'm going to bring you Russell Crowe, who at this point in life is kind of trans like transitioning into wise old man characters. Right. So. Okay. Okay. And Russell Crowe is doing what this year? Oh, um, oh man, I didn't look him up. He is doing, <laughs> he is in the nice guys short, not the movie. Yeah, the no, nice no, guys. He, Cause that's uh 2000 and two sixteen. He's coming off nice guys. Yeah. So there was a short they did for something. Nice guys are 16, 17 was Maybe the, like he was, he was, release. he was Jekyll and Hyde in the mummy reboot. And then he was in war machine. Uh, and that's it. Mm. Yeah. No, he's fine. Yeah. You can rip him out of any of those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the, yeah he, for the, sure. the whole for Jekyll sure. thing didn't work out. Tom Cruise killed yeah. the dark universe before it began. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think both are, 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 are Great choices. I think they have different aspects to it. I think Tanner definitely leaned into the wise sage mode with a little bit of the action cu- cut in a little bit, but definitely more into the advice giving the and that such. Russell Crowe makes me all think of a little more action side just because it's Gladiator and, and it's it's Russell Crowe. But uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was a Jedi Knight. So you have to kind of get this idea that like, okay, at one point this dude could could swing a sword around. So Corey definitely leans into that side of it. Mm-hmm. My personal pick is going to be Russell Crowe because, yes. because I'm a dirty, no good Stan. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, I think Peter Capaldi is an interesting pick. It's not a guy I would have, I, I would have thought of personally, but I have seen enough of him like, yeah, in suicide squad and then some clips of Dr. Who, but I just, I, I like the, I, the Russell Crowe is really, really uh, appealing to me. I think Corey may have known that. I don't know, but, yeah, that's I mean, where I'm maybe. going. So either way, uh, Corey keeps Peter Capaldi out of another movie on Quantum Recast. I don't know why you keep doing this to Peter Capaldi. <laughs> he is a great actor, and he should be recognized. And you just won't let him have it. You're gonna have to use your override to get him in any movie. <laughs> I'm dedicating my life to making sure Peter Capaldi never ends up on this podcast. All right, so moving on. Next character, we go from wise old sage to wise old villain, and we get Grand Moff Tarkin. In a way, you have determined the choice of the planet that will be destroyed first. Since you are reluctant to provide us with the location of the rebel base, I have chosen to test this station's destructive power on your home planet of Alderaan. No, 
All of is peaceful. We have no weapons. You can't. You will prefer another target, a military target. Then name the system. Oh no. Played by Peter <laughs> Cushing. So Peter Cushing before this, he's a big horror. Yeah, he was in movies. a lot of horror stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Curse of Frankenstein is 57, Horror Express 72, Hound of Baskerville. So that's kind of a horror, but really more of a Sherlock Holmes. He played Sherlock Holmes in that one, which makes mm-hmm. sense. So, yeah, another great British thespian actor. He made his debut in The Man in the Iron Mask in 39. So nice. that's a long, illustrious career at this point. But uh, and also made a, an appearance in Doctor Who or he he played Doctor Who in Doctor Who in the Daleks. It's a movie? Daleks. Did I say that right? Would have been a movie. Okay, yeah. So he, another Doctor Who. There you go. Um, but yeah, Peter Cushing plays Grand Moff Tarkin. He's just this cold, calculating dude that's in charge of the Death Star. He's in charge of making sure... Every, he's based, Everybody thinks Vader's like the top dog at this point, but Tarkin's really the dude running the show right here. And as we see, his ego kind of gets the better of him. He thinks that the ship is unsinkable. And sure enough, an iceberg named Luke Skywalker that can shoot things the size of womp rats takes him out. So, Corey, you made it. Who is your Tarkin? Man, I have two completely different guys, and I needed Tanner oh, to go first. You fool. <laughs> I needed to see how Tanner played this. <laughs> so do I want to go safe? or? I'll tell you, Corey, I played it safe. Okay, he played it safe. All right, so he probably has the same guy I have, so I'm going to go with my more left field choice. Okay. I'm giving you a heel turn. Oh. Free agent. Those heel turns. Free agent. Just stick with me here. Okay. (laughs) I love it. It just has to be... I didn't go old guy. I went with more of a... Let's say he's an up-and-comer in the Empire. Okay. You know? Kind of like what they they tried to do with the uh, that dude from About Time in the new Star Wars when they yes. kind of made him the plugged in Grand Moff. Mm-hmm. He's more of an up and comer. Let's just do that in, 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 in 2017. I'm giving you Leonardo DiCaprio, free agent. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> in 2017. Holy shit! So Leonardo DiCaprio, younger what? Tarkin, trying to take over. And is now okay. I, I'm, I'm seeing what you're throwing down. He, you just need somebody that's menacing. It doesn't necessarily have to be an older person. Gotcha. Yeah, right. he's just he's an up and comer. He's trying to impress a Darth, and that just becomes I mean, his downfall. Yeah. At this point, though, it's not it's not going to be up and comer. It's going to be Leonardo DiCaprio is the villain. Well, I'm the talking movie. about up and coming in the Empire. He's a young yeah, 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 he's yeah, a yeah, young yeah. guy in the Empire. Okay. All right. I am. I'm going to let that wood marinate. Because that's that mm-hmm. is a left field toss to me. Um, yeah, so that's nice. Yes, Corey, I'm proud of that. Okay, I'm letting it process, Corey. I'm I'm running through it, Tanner. And while you process, who's it, Tarkin to you? I'm gonna give you a guy okay. again. Here's what I'm gonna say. Okay, this this happened live here when we were recording with Richard Iwadi because I did not know that he was a droid before, um, but. I have never seen The Mandalorian. Okay. So I haven't watched it. Got it. Oh, And I wrote down a name. And when I looked it up, he plays a moth in Mandalorian. Uh, And so I was like, God damn it. (laughs) Like, like, okay. Uh, 
But I think he just works here. I could bring someone else, but I kind of just want to go with my gut. Um, and I, I'm going to bring you uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Esposito. So outside of The Mandalorian, he's in Breaking Bad. He's right. um, Gus Fring um, in Breaking Bad. He's in Do the Right Thing. He's in The Usual Suspects. He's all over the place. He always plays. He's in The Boys. He plays um, he the plays head of the Stan same Edgar. thing, the heavy, like the really like yeah. intimidating heavy. Yeah. So. And but he's very like where where Corey went like young guy trying to take over. Giancarlo to me is the guy that is just corporate overlord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like even if you think of the boys, he is just very strict, very like I don't care who I have to kill. I'm going to make my money. And that's just kind of how I saw this was more of like a corporate overlord mm-hmm. aspect. Um and so yeah, I just thought Giancarlo made sense and then I saw he did exactly this in The Mandalorian. And I said, He did. Well, fuck The Mandalorian. I hate this game. And wrote him <laughs> down anyway. It's the five, six degrees of Star Wars. So here's mm-hmm. the thing. This is this is the minefield Growall has let us down. Is that mm-hmm. we have to pretend that The Mandalorian doesn't exist. Because it can't exist. Right. Because right. Star Wars totally. is just starting in 77. Yes. Right. And we took the 77 version, so Boba Fett doesn't even exist, you know, really. Right. Right. Right technically. now. Like, yeah. technically doesn't exist now. And so you chose a guy that Star Wars, in, in reality, sees as a great Grand Moff Tarkin-like character. Right. Like, I can't even debate you. Like, it's a great casting choice. Yeah, right. But if Nick chooses it, we're going to get so much fandom come at us. <laughs> The fandom menace. So this is the minefield Nick has just drug us into. We can't win. People are going to hate us. Yeah. So have fun, Nick. Have fun. Well, the yeah, you're is, the one that's on Twitter, Nick. The, so good luck. The good news <laughs> is, is that I don't really give a shit about the fandom. Uh oh. Oh, no. Oh, great. They're Nick, all, they're that's already, the wrong answer. I said what I said, Tanner. They're doxing no. you right now, dude. All your Who crap cares? is on Twitter. <laughs> Here's my thought process here. Now, with you guys' two choices, uh, Esposito, when you're thinking of a Tarkin, it's it's a British snobbish kind of mindset, but it's really just more like regalness with the standoff cold exterior. Um, they're, I mean, they're, they're a play on Nazis, basically. So you, yeah. you want to really Nazi this up pretty hard, like just cold Space and ruthless. Nazis. Space Nazis. Yes, thank yeah. you. I mean, stormtroopers, literally. And so he fits the bill. He's exactly what you would, when I write down this, a casting person would go, that's my first choice. Let's see if we can go get him. Leo is the left field choice. I, yeah, it is. I get where Corey's coming from with it. He's bringing a younger guy into it. It's going to be the biggest name probably in the whole film. But, uh, and I know he's be, played villains before, so it's not like be, it's like. He'd be brattier. Like you got to think of like the evil king in the man with iron mask. It'd be like a bratty. I'm trying to up and come, you know. And but, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You're pushing that way. Um, I'm just gonna be real. I don't see it, Corey. I know he's capable, but Espicito's who I'm gonna have to go with here. So fair. 
God. I'm sorry I had to do that to you. Boy. So s- fans that are mad, like, are you just casting the same character and you do same as if they suck my dick? Let's I'm move they forward. don't exist. I'm one of them. Here. So anyway, moving on, moving forward. Jesse, please write it down. We will move on to we're in technically pretty much the big four here. And we're going to yeah, start we with everyone's favorite space smuggler. Han Solo. From one side of this galaxy to the other, I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful force controlling everything. There's no mystical energy field that controls my destiny. It's all a lot of simple tricks and nonsense. Fuck. Han Solo, played by the Harrison Ford at 35 years of age in 77. You know him. You know him. He's Han Solo. He's Indiana Jones. He's in Blade Runner and also The Fugitive in the 90s. So he pretty much had consistent work as a big name for the for two or three decades. Had oh, yeah. he not been in Star Wars, he would might still be a carpenter right now, just living out in California doing his thing. But because and of this, dealing. he's he's possibly the single biggest earner in Hollywood history. Um, nice. So anyway, Han Solo, Rebel, scruffy looking nerf herder. He's He's the guy who... Rebel without a cause to a degree. He's in it for himself, in it for the gold. Uh, he's just trying to get his money, his debt paid to Jabba the Hutt so he can move on and have his own life. Him and his best friend Chewie going off on adventures and stuff. He's kind of thrown into this when he's hired to take the guys to Princess Leia and then they get sucked into the Death Star and he just gets sucked into all of it. He's his. Mm-hmm. He is the the key ingredient to this movie working because you've got all this mumbo jumbo about space wizards and stuff. You've got political intrigue. He's the one that brings it down to a level and is not afraid to be like, this is really weird. This is really stupid, guys. I don't get what, what's going on, but I'm just here for yeah. to get my money. And it's his delivery that often makes this movie a success or makes that character a success and work. So, yes. So who made it last? Uh, Tanner did. So Tanner, did. impress me. <laughs> oh, Okay. Put me on the spot like that, Nick. I'm not a dancing monkey. I can't wow. just impress you whenever impress you want. Impress me. Wow us. Wow yeah, That's what me. you get for winning. Now you have Hans, to go first on Han. Booby. <laughs> okay. Here is where I originally thought of Jason Momoa. Okay. I mean, yeah, I get, I, I get that. Okay. But I didn't go with him. Yeah. I thought it was too much. I thought it was too over the top. Right. Instead... <laughs> I went with someone you're gonna hate. Yes. <laughs> uh, what I My did instead is, is I brought you Jensen Ackles. Gross. You know Jensen Ackles if you know Jensen Gross. Ackles from Supernatural. Taryn is somewhere in the world pumping his fists in the air like he's just won the lottery. Him and Cassidy um, are trying to. The high five across the country. Literally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Jensen Ackles is better than Jared Padalecki. That would the other guy? Barf, yeah. Okay. Um, so he obviously plays Dean Winchester in Supernatural. And if you've watched any Supernatural, let alone the, what, 14 seasons that they have, this is kind of his character. He's kind of like... A little bit, he's cocky, he's a little bit kind of rednecky, but like he's the guy that is always just kind of out for himself, doing what he needs to do, and like fuck anyone else who like 
gets in his way. Um, but then he also has a heart of gold that comes out every so often yeah. for his brother, right? So okay. he has like his family that he fights for, but everything else is kind of this like redneck punk attitude. Okay. Um, and so I just kind of thought who better to be like a smuggler than, than him. And I threw him down and I think he's going to have a lot of fun there. Okay. Processing, replaying it in my head. Corey, while I'm doing that, sell me your Han Solo. So the first name I wrote down was Daniel Kaluuya, but then even without having to use IMDb, I remembered Get Out was Get 2017. Out. And True. So I'm not going to pull that out. Okay. Um, and so it, then it came down to two names, and I feel like I can give you either one because Tanner just crapped the bed. Um, Says you. <laughs> Oh my gosh, maybe not. Uh, I'm gonna bring you my boy. All right. I'm well. Actually, the two both these guys are my boys right now. But I'm gonna bring <laughs> you. I am gonna pull him out of Get Out, but a smaller role. I'm gonna give no. you Lakeith Stanfield. No, don't for, do this <laughs> for Han Solo. Okay. I think Lakeith Stanfield is like the new Harrison Ford. Like he's gonna hate playing Han Solo in 30 years from now. Like, he's just going to have the same disdain for it, but he's going to do it with the best attitude he can muster. Yeah, he's just coming. He's in Get Out this year. Smaller role. Yes. And it's after this that he really takes off because he's in uh, Sorry to Bother You. He uh, is in he has a smaller role in Knives Out. And then we get to see him in Jews and the Black Messiah, where he really gets gets nominated for the Oscar. Yeah. In Atlanta. So he's in Atlanta. So Tanner, I'm sure that Tanner, or I'm sorry, I'm sure that Taryn and Cassidy appreciate your vote. Nick, 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 before, before you say anything, I need to tell you, I have this man somewhere higher on the cast list. I can't pick anyone else. I need this. Here is your only, only flaw in, in this, in this situation, Tanner is that this is, again, a moment where Corey and I picked the same person. Yes! Nick, I need you to rethink everything you've thought of in your life, and I need you to not pick Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> oh, no! Tanner there are two places that he could potentially sit. Uh. I don't... While he is capable of being a Luke Skywalker, I just... It once I saw Lakeith Stanfield, I couldn't get him out of my head. Sitting there in the in the cantina, shooting Greedo first. That's right. He is not. He does not have the air of badass, like badassery, cool guy. You take like, that back. If anyone, he just doesn't. Is maybe secretly is, a space pirate. It's Lakeith Stanfield. Did you say secretly a space pirate? Yeah. Yes, for, secretly. For all I yeah. know, Lakeith Stanfield is actually a space pirate. We just don't know about it. Oh, you mean in reality? Yeah, I in thought reality. you were saying Han Solo is secretly a space pirate. No. I was like, Han Solo is the furthest from secretly anything. No. Like, <laughs> Tanner, here's the thing. And this was the because I sat there and thought about this. I was like, okay, is, it, is Han Solo more action oriented or is it more about his persona 
and his and his general aura that he brings to the thing because that's that's really what it comes down to is Harrison Ford's charisma makes this script work and makes the character work so well to the point that all the other people that they actually brought in to read just couldn't get what he was doing. Um, yeah. I just think Lakeith has that. Like he has that no. charisma to him. I don't know how you're not seeing it. The decision <laughs> because every has time been I, made. Lakeith La- La- Stanfield, his quote unquote charisma in everything that he does is more of the, like if you look at Knives Out, if you look at... Um, uh, I was going to say The Harder They Fall, but I, I don't know much about it. Judas and the Black Messiah, like all of these things, he is the more toned down, like scared guy. He is not the cool, I'm stepping up front, I'm going to be the guy guy. He is the quiet, reserved guy. Tanner. That is not charisma. Tanner, you need to be using this time to start recasting your Luke. <laughs> We're just kind of have to see this differently because his range from get out to sorry to bother you to knives out where, which is kind of just his apocalypse now cameo basically is basic is showing the range here. So I just don't, I don't, I, I have to agree to disagree Tanner. And cause I, I I'm see not saying it. he doesn't have range. I'm just saying the overall characters that he plays lean heavily towards the scared guy. Tanner. If it, makes you, if it makes you feel better, I am going to blow up these top three. So all you got to do no, is just go safe I'm, on Luke. Tanner, I'm sorry. I can't. But Lakeith Stanfield will be our Han Solo for this, this feature film. The fucking worst movie we've ever cast. <laughs> That's not true. That is not true. We have done way worse. We have done much terrible, like more terrible jobs on this podcast. All right, I'm going to get to researching my next Luke. Okay. So while we're doing that, we will move on to the princess herself, Leia Organa. You served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. Played by Carrie Fisher at 21 years of age. This is like her third movie ever. And uh, Princess Leia is the damsel in distress, but not so much. She has shown an ability to have some backbone standing up to Vader and even to uh, Tarkin in, in arguments. Uh, she's proved herself tactful and willing to make sacrifices for the better good by giving up her home planet Alderaan to save the rebel fleet. And then at the end, she shows that she's a handy with a gun and handy as being a leader and not willing to tell, not willing to let Han Solo uh, mistreat her. So she's, she's abroad, if you will. And so, Corey, you made it. You got to take it. Who is your Princess Leia Organa? And I will say that I was prepared to use my override for Lakeith. So now I have a wide open options here for the last three. So we'll see what happens. Princess Leia Organa. My initial, my initial casting. I'm I'm, I'm going to go through my list here. So, so Tanner can uh, just research. don't nick it up too much. So. Um, no, I'm not. 
just gonna give you some names. Uh, my my first one was uh, Nora Lum, uh, better known as Aquafina. That was gonna be my nice. initial oh, Princess okay. Leia. Interesting. Um, though I actually haven't seen the thing she won the Golden Globe for, which is I think the closest thing she's ever done to a drama that's not comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah, haven't yeah. seen the farewell, so I don't yeah, really have it. Yeah. It's very good. I don't have a good context for her dramatic okay. range. Okay. So I was like. Then I went to Constance Didn't Wu, pick her. and my only problem with Constance Wu is she's a little older, you know, which right. I'm like, it's, I'm not really the age guy on the podcast. I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, you can play around with this stuff. Everybody looks the same age, mostly, so like in Hollywood, and I mean, it's like you're young or you're old. Um, there's no real middle. So instead, because the modern trilogy doesn't exist, I'm bringing you Kelly Marie Tran, Rose Tico herself. Okay. For Princess Leia. All right. We are we are definitely mixing it up here in the Star Wars verse, guys. Yes, we are. <laughs> okay. Okay. I am processing it. I think I think Kelly Marie Tran has qual- all those qualities that she showed even just in her Rose Tico character of of showing some of those aspects of Princess Leia. And fun hair. She had fun hair. This is, this is, uh, this, you, okay, yeah, all right, interesting, okay, I have thoughts, I'm gonna process them, as Tanner gives me his Leia Organa. Um, I, my Leia was between two people, one is literal royalty, uh, Meghan Markle, oh. um, <laughs> the other, I thought, played royalty just as well as Meghan Markle. Okay. Um, and that's who I went with instead. Um, I'm bringing you Emma Watson to take her out of Beauty and the Beast because fuck that movie. <sighs> Corey, I know it's your favorite. Fuck it. I don't want it. Get it out of here. think about her. Emma Watson. Okay. So Nick Emma hates Watson. Beauty and the Beast, so I know that I it's do. not safe. Um, though I think she is the best live action princess we've gotten so far. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's absolutely, she is, like, the idea of, like, princess. Like, she is a perfect, like, princess to me. She's also in The Circle this year, which was... Oh, that's a garbage a, movie. It's trash. It was fine enough. Like, it was entertaining, Nothing but it to write great. home to mother. I don't about. know if Tom yeah. Hanks is capable of making garbage, but it wasn't one yeah. of his best. It wasn't good. <laughs> it was it a was misuse fine. of everyone all around. Uh, Yeah. Okay, Emma Watson fits the bill. Probably one of the top people that most people would probably put in this spot. Mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast, I despise on so many levels. Uh, not the original cartoon, which is great. So it's, it's almost a masterpiece. Oh, I hate Nick so much. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. Why are we friends? Here's the thing. I like Kelly Marie Chan, and I think Emma Watson's okay. Okay. Neither one just screams Princess Leia Organa to me. At all. He's going to use his override. I'm very tempted here because I thought I had a pretty good, pretty good Princess Leia. She's a little younger than y'all's two's picks, but we can play around with age. She would be 21 at the time. Florence Pugh. Is who I have in mind. 
she is a free agent this year. This is before Midsommar, before the Black Widow sequel, before really she just jumps up to true stardom in the next couple of years. So hmm. she would kind of be coming in as an unknown a little bit. She has made movies yeah. before this, uh, but this would be her biggest one to date. And the reason I was thinking about her is because she kind of has that moxie about her. She's she the British acts. Carrie Fisher kind of tries to do a little bit of like a British thing, but it's not really a fully a British thing. And it just goes right into American, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, just she, I think she just the properness and the of being a princess to an extent. But when she becomes Leia more and she's taking off the royal garb, if you will, she definitely shows like just more of that. I'm really I'm willing to fight alongside the boys kind of thing. And I see that with Florence more than I do with Kelly or Emma Watson. I feel like obviously Hermione also can is has a, a backbone to her character in those roles, but yeah. Yeah, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm I'm throwing I'm throwing my hat in there and I'm going to pick Florence Pugh to be our Princess Leia. I just think she has the qualities that I want for a modern Princess Leia. <laughs> you fool. You fool. You're and going in blind on have, Darth and Luke. I know. I have yes. uh, I have I don't know what's about to happen. So, uh Jesse, write that down please. Florence Pugh and we will see who these hooligans have chosen for their Darth Vader. I've been waiting for you, Obi-Wan. We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. What does there to say? You know the name. You know the character. He's probably, if not the cinematic villain, he is one of the top three easily. Top two, maybe even. Um, He is a Sith Lord in this movie. We just know him as basically the bad guy, the heavy of the movie that goes around, marches around killing people uh, for the empire. He's on the hunt for princess Leia. He captures her, takes her to the death star. The heroes have to come save them. And he's pretty much the last line of defense for the death star and almost spoils the rebels run until Han Solo comes in to save them at the end of the day. So Corey, were you the last one to make it before me? Yes. Okay. Tell me who you are filling these large, large shoes, cowl and mask and helmet with. So I texted today. Are we, how are we approaching this is rather just a voice or a guy in a costume? Are we going to do two people? And me and Tanner seem to, I don't really know how Tanner played it, but I said, Hey, I'm going to play this as one guy that I think can do both. So I needed a guy who can fill out the costume, look at least, you know, muscular. I don't I wasn't worried about his height as much. Yeah. As Mm -hmm. much as just like maybe just some size. You know, Tom Hardy has proven that you can make somebody look huge in movies. Yeah. I mean, all of Hollywood's like really short, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Movie magic. So. Right. right, um, right. So. uh, Platform shoes. I, you know. I'll t- the two names I tossed out immediately. I wrote down four people. I tossed out Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> just <laughs> he's six five, and I liked yeah. it. But I was like, in you know, I need a, I need a deep imposing voice that you just throw a little robot thing on top of, and it sounds good. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I also threw out Josh Brolin for no other reason than he's Thanos right now. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't need him doing yeah. both. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a guy. Okay. One of my guys. One I'm not guys. gonna give you Javier Bardem. That was okay. one I was really leaning on. Interesting. Okay. Was really leaning there, thinking about that. I'm not gonna do it. And instead, I'm going to bring you Idris Elba for Darth Vader. Okay. He's got the size, he's got the mm-hmm. voice. What is he doing this year? In 2007. Oh, man. Oh, crap. I didn't look. Let me. Oh, no. I might be in trouble. Oh, no. Address elbow. No. Yeah, baby. What did he do? What did he do? So he has Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, but come on. That's just. That's that's a cameo. I will. I would rule that as a cameo. It's just time. Uh, That's fine. One scene, really. So, okay. Then he's in the Dark Tower flop. Yes, that he's the gunslinger, but that movie just flops like nothing else. Hard. Does not work. And then he's yeah. he he does really good in Molly's game, but I yeah. don't think it's I don't think it has to be Idris Elba in Molly's game. Okay, so yeah, so barring the Thor Ragnarok cameo, he's pretty much wide open in this in this year. So, but no, I get yeah, that makes sense. I get yeah, I I, I see exactly what you're talking about. He can be imposing. He can he's got a gruff, deep voice. Before I go further, let me get Tanner's take, and then I will process both. So let's move there. So we've got Idris on the map. Tanner, who's your Darth Vader? Uh, my Darth Vader is a guy that you probably don't know. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> Classic um, Tanner. I love it. He's great. He's so good. And, like, he's so... <laughs> I'll start off by saying I know him from Stargate SG-1. Okay. Oh, yes. He, he plays Teal'c. Okay. Um, his name is Christopher Judge. That you would name know is him. familiar. The, he's the voice of Kratos in God of War. Better. Okay. He is mercenary security number four in The Dark Knight Rises, if I actually know exactly who that is, strangely <laughs> enough. Um, yeah. Because he has the uh, one line that says, who are you? And you're like, oh, that dude should be a voice actor. Uh, yeah, he is. He's Kratos. And there he is. He He's is Kratos. Exactly that. Okay. Um, I literally so, but, know him from House Party 2 because I just watched <laughs> the House Party movies. <laughs> there you go. But he, he's got that voice and it's so booming. It's so deep and it's so like just kind of. If you again, if you know Christopher Judge, it is kind of iconic. Like, no, it is, yeah, for it's sure. A, it's a powerful voice. I'll give you yeah. that. Um, and then like in Stargate, he plays this like alien mm-hmm. who is very like kind of stoic, very a little bit robotic. Yeah. But he's massive. He's like huge, stacked, and he is kind of a slow moving force. Yeah. Right, he's their muscle, who's not like out in front. He's just kind of walking up. So that's kind of what I see with Vader. Right, yeah. he's never running to the fight. Right, he's not worried about yeah. it. He he knows when he gets there, he's gonna finish it. And he's he's slow to action, but he, when he does it, it's it has a huge impact. Like in the scene when he chokes one of the top uh, Empire Death Star guys, who's questioning the Force and everything. Yeah. So yeah, I get what you're saying there. Okay, so, interesting. Christopher Judge. Christopher Judge. He, wow. he was in an episode of MacGyver and then ends up oh, in nice. Stargate with MacGyver. Yeah, it was like his first thing he ever did. Nice. Was MacGyver. So, right. 
And he was in 21 Jump Street. So the obvious questions come up, but and they, they pretty much answer themselves, which is Florence Pugh, white, Christopher Judge, and Idris Elba, uh, African-Americans. I'm glad you brought that up, Nick. Not a problem, because, because uh, James Earl Jones, black African-American man, played Darth Vader. Darth Vader was, yep. for those that aren't familiar with the lore... Darth Vader was basically played by three people. There was the stuntman who played him, the swordsman who played him, and the voice actor of James Earl Jones. And when we finally see his face, he's a completely different actor because we find out later that he's Luke and Leia's dad. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cast this based on the, that this is the only movie. We're not thinking about three movies down. So it's so just so that we're not having to play that game. But I love both these picks. I'm just saying I'm glad you brought it up. None of the lore exists. I right. Yeah, this is new. New IP. Specifically went Leia, A, because Star Wars failed to try to crowbar an Asian actress into their like newer right. trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Failed mm-hmm. hard. Yes. You know, so I was yeah. like, my Leia's going to be Asian. She's going to be an Asian actress. And then I just, I'm preventing Empire from being written. <laughs> That's what's happening. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> why Why would Empire not be written if Idris is in it? Or well, are you talking I mean, about if his helmet Nick? ever comes off, he's not Luke's dad. Maybe. True. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who Tanner well, brought. It's very possible. But oh, okay. well, I brought Lakeith Stanfield, but yeah. I don't know who I'm bringing next. But <laughs> Florence and Lakeith aren't twins. <laughs> I mean, obviously, they didn't think about Vader being his dad at this point. And even if they did, we'd never take off Vader's helmet in this movie. So I'm he could be saying, anybody. I'm, I'm burning the trilogy to the ground. That's my goal. Yeah. So Look, you can have siblings that are black and white. Yeah, it's true. It happens. It's it's yeah, scientifically it's possible. Yeah. So my pick, Corey, I had Idris Elba written down. Yes, but yes, but but there's a big but but. Christopher Judge as is not the same size and build as Kratos in 2017. Is not the same size and build as Kratos. Now you're correct, but his but his performance, like it's that that video game alone. Like you could I, I which I did. I just watched it. I was like, this was just a great experience to watch, and his performance in it was great. But his voice and his presence that he brings to it. I am willing to give Christopher Judge that spot because I think he could nail it and, and I think he could do the voice and it would be great. Idris Elba is fully capable of that as well. But I think that Christopher Judge, that's the impact of that character is the voice is so iconic. The mm-hmm. intimidation factor. We can take care of that with camera angles and everything. Make the low angle big guy. He's in a suit the entire time anyway. I'm I mean, giving he's it also to, a big guy. I'm giving him the Christopher call. Judge. Christopher Judge, welcome to the big leagues. You have baby. voice actor turned iconic villain. Welcome, Darth Vader. You did it, Tanner. Congratulations. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. I appreciate everything you've done for me in my life as Teal. So write it down, Jesse. There we go. We're at the end. Wrapping it up. Hero. The local farm boy that grows on to take on an empire. You know him. You love him. Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. 
I'm here to rescue you. I've got your R2 unit. I'm here with Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi, where is he? Come on. As I said, played by Mark Hamill. He is the small kid that has big dreams of getting out of his small town. And fate just happens to launch him into this adventure. The old man comes, says, you got to join the force. Your, your dad would want you to do that. Gets on a ship, jumps over, jumps in the Death Star, saves the day. All that good stuff. He is, he is the quintessential kind of hero archetype. Um, very the young kind of uh, ignorant to the world, learning it. We see the world of Star Wars through his eyes. Uh, Luke Mark Hamill is generally an unknown at this time. He did a lot of TV before this, uh, but this is really what takes him takes off, obviously, and leads mm-hmm. him into the big times. He goes on to become a great voice actor after the fact, but in this time, he's also just as great as a hero. And I think his performance through the trilogy is underrated a lot of people don't see the growth of luke and i think that that in that there's a lot of misinterpretation of what luke skywalker really is and in my opinion he's growing from young whiny kid to adult mature jedi by the end of the movie who's still who still uh has issues and stuff and is human very human so not this messiah character per se tanner you made it You've had a couple rounds to uh, to rebound, maybe find somebody else on the chart list. Who do you got for Luke Skywalker? I'm currently between two people. Okay. One person I feel like I bring up all the time. He's great, but I feel like I just bring him up too often. And the other guy, I'm not a huge fan of, so I'm kind of stuck. Um, <clears throat> Why would you bring up someone you hate, though, Tanner? Because Lakeith Stanfield is apparently Han Solo. And the other guy is the only guy I could think of that would do Tanner, like kind of meek, but also action. That's what I'm looking all at. All I'm going to say, right. Tanner, is just trust the force, Tanner. Follow your heart. Don't trust the machines. <laughs> they're both just doing, like they're both kind of starting out at this point. So I'm also just kind of trying to think who's going to be close enough in age to Lawrence Pugh. Yeah, there was something I was looking at, but I think as long as you keep it in like the mid to early 20s, I don't see there being a major Yeah, it's issue. difficult yeah. for me where I'm looking. So I guess I'm going to go this guy because my other guy is over 30. Um, I'm going to bring you Yahya Abdul-Mateen, the the second. Okay. We brought him up before. He's in Aquaman as Manta. He is Candyman. He is, um, he's in the Watchmen TV series. He's in trial of the Chicago seven matrix resurgence. He's been blowing up the last few years, right? He's all over the place. Yes. 2017 is essentially like the first year in his career. He's done a short in 2012. Mm Mm-hmm. But 2017 is when he's like actually getting into stuff. He's uh, in the TV series The Get Down. He's in Baywatch. He's in The Greatest Showman. All of which I think doesn't matter. We can pull him out. He is like more action oriented and like a buffer guy. But I think early career, maybe we can play that down a little bit, make him a little bit more like. Smaller, maybe. Um, 
But then I think by the end of, um, you know, the run, if we're continuing this, he's going to be, you know, really incredible fight scenes and doing all that stuff. Interesting. Corey, who is your Luke Skywalker? Does it matter? I'm not even having fun anymore. What? (laughs) This podcast. Why? What did I do? You took his Darth Vader Idris Elba dreams. And crush them. It's true. I'm trying to think. Okay, you know what? F. Tanner, I'm bringing you Ty Sheridan. Ty Sheridan. He is one year from doing Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2017, he is doing two movies. One's called All Summers In, and the other's called The Yellow Birds. Okay. Yeah? Okay. So you picked Jesse. That's great. Yeah. Um, um, Andrew Garfield was too old for me, even though he was kind of the yeah. first guy that came into my mind. He's like, I mean, he was playing a teenager three years before, but yeah. I, I don't know. I it, it didn't sit well with me then. I could I could have said the name Charlie Tehan, but I'm pretty sure I'm the only guy that would know anything about Charlie Tehan. Charlie uh, Tehan. He made a horror movie called Super Dark Times in 2017, and he's been on a Netflix show called mm. Ozarks, but. I'm I'm bringing you Ty Sheridan. Okay. Okay. He hasn't quite. He's broken out with the whole uh, Ready Player One yet, and 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 so I mean he's done a lot at this point, but still, yeah, still not quite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ready Player One's pretty much like his biggest movie to date. It's it's very much a Luke Skywalker kind of character, young guy. And he's done Cyclops at this point, but yeah, but nobody remembers that really. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of hidden behind some glasses, and he's not necessarily the 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 main focus. Yeah. So here, let me just start with this. We are still acting like this is Star Wars seventy seven. This is not a planned out thing. We are not including the fact that Darth Vader is Luke's father. All mm-hmm. we know right now is that Darth Vader is a bad guy. He never takes off his mask. And Luke is just a farm boy out of Kansas, basically. Yeah. There's I mean, technically no, and, in dialogue, Darth Vader has murdered Luke's dad. Yeah. 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 So. So. And as far as we know, Luke and Leia, not related. As far as we know, we're going with that mentality. That's how we're playing this. So as far as we know, they could be related. We could, it, like we said, it's scientifically possible. But <laughs> at this point, Luke still has a crush on Leia. Cause she's the princess. Duh. Um, but here, here's, here's my, here's the thing. Yaya is very much against type to an extent. Uh, like you said, he's younger at this point. He hasn't taken off yet. Everything he does at this, this point, he is, he's literally Dr. Manhattan in the TV show. He's Morpheus in the matrix movies when he mm-hmm. rebooted basically. Um, and he's in Candyman. Um, it's hard for me to see him playing Luke. And I think that it's just because he is such a large, literally physical presence. And so it's hard for me to have him sitting next to like Lakeith and Florence and not consider him being like the big action guy. Um, Cause yeah. he's supposed to be the learner basically. Um, Logan learner. Yeah. So m- my choice is probably going to go to Ty Sheridan cause I'm going to play more closer to where Luke is at in the story as being the small down in his luck kid who is just looking for a way to get out of town 
and I think that uh, he'll play better off of all the other characters and the cast that we've built around that. Yeah. And so that's just where my mind went. So yeah, I'm going to go with Ty Sheridan and wrap up this cast. All right, Jesse, I think you've got those written down for me. So I'm going to run down this list. So from the very bottom, all the way up, our stormtroopers will be played by yours truly, the cast of take five, just yeah. not hitting anything with our guns or anything, getting brainwashed and everything. Aunt Brew will be a cameo of Salma Hayek. Uncle Owen, Tom Wilson of Back to the Future fame. Wedge Antilles will be sharpshooter Sebastian Stan. Biggs Dartlager will come to a tragic end as Shia LaBeouf. Chewbacca will be surprisingly played by Jason Momoa, but I it's fun. <laughs> we'll go with it. C-3PO will be played by Richard Iowati. Obi-Wan Kenobi will be played by a slightly aged up but still ready to go- duel uh, Russell Crowe. Grand Moff Tarkin will be played by a uh, the guy who also played another version of Grand Moff Tarkin, uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Han Solo will be played by Lakeith Stanfield. Princess Leia will be played with a lot of moxie by Florence Pugh. Darth Vader will be played by the voice actor of a video game generation and other places as Stargate's own. Uh, Christopher Judge and our Luke Skywalker will be instead of being the hero of Ready Player One is instead going to be in the biggest movie of all time Sands Gone with the Wind Ty Sheridan and that is Star Wars 2017 what a list everyone hates it the silence is deafening I just love, a couple of couple of items I love most of it but I'm walking off set as a stormtrooper the second that Christopher Judge walks on set. That is, <laughs> I'm out. Put some fucking respect I'm on out. his name, please. Like, I'm taking my helmet off and I'm walking off set. I'm done. I'm that is atrocious that you would do that to that man. So yeah, that's the cast. Corey, I hand it back over to you. And I believe it's your turn. It is my turn. <sighs> I'm not going to go too far off what I just did with Empire Records. Actually. Okay. I'm going to keep it kind of in the same vein, mainly because about the time the next episode's getting released, I will be graduating. Yeah, it's going Woo! to be May. Woo! Everybody will be doing it's those stupid Justin Timberlake May. memes. It's going to be May. Um, and uh, it's 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 May. It's the end. Of, it's summer. It's the end of school. So what better movie to do than the greatest End of school, beginning of summer movie of all time. Dazed and confused. Mm. Uh Richard Linklater's only good movie. Um, (laughs) Yeah. There you go. So. (laughs) 100%. um, But great. So I'd like to do that one just to celebrate uh, all that is May. Um, You know, even though we're all old and I'm actually the only one, like, I think still in school. So. um, (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people go to college for seven years. <laughs> I I was torn about what year I want to take it to, but I know that I, we're going to take it to a year in which we're going to burn some things to the ground. Oh. Oh, okay. So I think my, my choice was I can either go to 87 and y'all can destroy a lot of things I really love. 
or we yeah. could go to 1999, which is often considered the greatest year in movie history and possibly destroy a lot of things a lot of people love. So I'm saying Days of Confused 1987. Destroy things I love. <laughs> yeah. We just destroyed Star Wars. I'm not going to step on 1999s yeah. yet. So we have okay. never been to 1987 because there is a lot going on in 1987. Mm-hmm. Cool. So in mainly the age range for Days of Confused is there is no way we will come out of that episode with you guys not tampering with things that are precious yeah. to me. So. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking now about what's in 87. I will be a tyrant. And... Um, I will yell. Good. There will be a lot of bad language coming from me. Friendships get in. But... Oh, God. So... Next episode, we are doing Days of Confused 1987. We're still going to avoid the 1999 year for something I'm sure truly special. So, that was Star Wars 2017. It was. Uh, A New Hope. Um, Please don't yell at us. Um, (laughs) If you're a huge Star Wars fan, just, just remember, this is all theoretical and just, you know, Enjoy it's for it. Fun, I'm sorry, you know? Tanner kind of screwed it up there at the end. <laughs> went for it wow. because of a video wow. game, but that's fine. That happens, you know. Sometimes these things get out of your out of your control, and Tanner <laughs> just you know craps on your day. So um, nope, with his malarkey. All right, again. We are on all the social media machines. You can come find us there. Tell us you love this or you hate it. Or you can even tell us who you cast. Sometimes people give us really fun um, things we didn't think about. And and then we kind of, you know, beat ourselves up for like five minutes. And then we move on uh, because we have more movies to ruin. Dude. And then, uh, again, if you're listening to us on Apple, give us five stars. Review us. That sends us up the algorithm. Uh, you can review us on Spotify. Put a little heart. Whatever. Click whatever thing that says, hey, I enjoyed this. Or I, or or if you're a Star Wars fan, maybe you hated us so much you loved us. Because that seems to be the way you guys approach things you like. It's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> you love it so much you hate it. Yeah. So, yeah. so um we're willing to take that kind of fandom. We we want to we want to quantum recast toxic fandom at some point. Um, so, uh, but tune in next week or next episode for Days and Confused, nineteen eighty seven. It should be a total total disaster on my end. So, <laughs> yes. um, if you want to see me just lose it, tune in next episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Say good night, Nick. Goodbye, Nick. <laughs>